Welcome to The Roundup, a North Queensland-based medical podcast offering local content for local clinicians. I'm your host, Alyssa Hathaway. I'm a local GP and family planning clinician and head of James Cook University's clinical school here in Mackay on Yui Country. This collaborative podcasting project between Mackay Hospital and Health Service, local clinicians and JCU will bring you a different topic and guest in each episode. Before we begin, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people of this nation, their contribution to healthcare and the traditional owners of the lands on which we practice. Welcome to this podcast on voluntary assisted dying. I'm joined by Dr Max Ryder, who's a doctor in Proserpine and working in the community in palliative care. Is that right, Max? Yeah, it's somewhat correct. I'm employed by Queensland Health through Proserpine as a rural generalist obstetrician and I've started working privately through a GP practice here locally to provide end-of-life um, palliative care for people in their home. So you must have been really excited when the voluntary assisted dying legislation first passed at the end of 2021 to give your patients some more options. Yeah, it's, it's been a big um, landmark release from the Queensland Government, we're catching up with Victoria and um, WA at the moment, and we're now developing our own pathway um, to support people who are inevitably suffering with um, a terminal illness, and they're wanting to exercise their right and the option to request medical assistance um, for the end of their lives. Okay, so with that new legislation introduced at the end of last year, I imagine 2022 has been a really busy year for everyone involved with voluntary assisted dying to engage with the stakeholders and develop those pathways. Is that what you've been involved with? Yeah, so I've come about halfway through that development process. It uh, all started with um, setting up the voluntary assisted dying unit, um, the VAD unit down in Brisbane. And There are a group of people that have been working on developing a lot of the policy structure, um, protocols, navigating um, all of the all of the issues that they've they've found from Victoria and WA and trying to put a package together um, that could be presented to the health care services. And so I've joined um, as a representative for our Mackay Health Service alongside Melissa Harris, who is a uh, a palliative care support CN in Mackay Base Hospital. Um, and we're now taking it forward to try and implement that locally to make sure it meets the, the very demands of um, very diverse, um, geographically spread out um, healthcare service such as um, our region here. Yeah, you're right. Diverse is an understatement for our HHS, that's for sure. So for the patients who are coming to end of life, I imagine there are quite strict eligibility criteria that they would have to meet before they can go down the voluntary assisted dying path. Can you talk us through that, please? Yeah, that's right. So there's, I suppose, two ways to look at it. There's eligibility criteria for the patients, but also eligibility criteria that clinicians, and that includes doctors and nurses, need to have in order to assess, um, discuss and help implement uh, the process of voluntary assisted dying. So for patients, um, our, our criteria are a little bit different to Victoria and WA. They have somewhat been refined and they've done that in a way to try and ensure that a very general level of uh, medical training is required uh, and not relying upon specialties to help get people through this process. So 
people need to have an advanced progressive um, illness that will cause death and is expected to cause death within 12 months to the best of the clinician's um, understanding. Uh, and it must be causing suffering that the person considers to be intolerable. And I guess that's a, a really important part because we need to make sure that people are having a full assessment in terms of their current symptoms and if they can be better managed. Um, and that includes ensuring good palliative care, which is a, a different chapter um, to voluntary assisted dying. This is, this is a, an end of life option as opposed to a, a management of symptoms potentially like uh, palliative care is. They need to have decision-making capacity and acting voluntarily without coercion. And they need to be at least 18 years of age and fulfill residency requirements. So that's the five point checklist of eligibility that gets assessed by um, two different um, clinicians on two separate occasions. And uh, we'll put a flow chart up for people to see hopefully that the, the title for these clinicians is either a coordinating practitioner, so someone who um, is, the, is the key person responsible for helping to support someone through the process and then a consulting practitioner, which is a doctor that uh, double checks the eligibility criteria to make sure they're met. Um, and then together with those two people signing off, then they are supported with the Voluntary Assisted Dying Unit in Brisbane to make sure that all the checks and balances have been met before, a, um, before an administration decision can be made and then a plan can be enacted um, to support that person should they wish to go through with the voluntary assisted dying um, administration. All right, so that's a really important point, isn't it, about the difference between voluntary assisted dying and palliative care. I think a lot of people in the community think of voluntary assisted dying as a requirement, whereas from a clinical point of view, it's really palliative care that the vast majority of our patients really need assistance with and that voluntary assisted dying is only for a very small subset of those patients. Would that be your experience? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and when we talk about um, voluntary assisted dying, there's two, two categories, I suppose. We've found in the other states that there's a, a large percentage of people that will go through an eligibility assessment through this rigorous process um, and get their authorisation to be eligible and um, be able to undertake a voluntary assisted dying um, administration. However, they don't actually go through with, with that administration. And what we've found is that that people find that comfort knowing that they have an alternative option. And uh, a lot of these people who are still having decision-making capacity and still potentially 12 months away from death, um, just like to have the option available should their symptoms become intolerable in and um, deteriorate um, quickly. Because obviously this process is gonna take a matter of weeks to potentially a month or so, depending on um, how streamlined that process can be for that patient. Sure. And of course, locking in that option before they potentially lose that decision-making capacity would be incredibly important for those patients. Yeah, that's, that's correct. It's all part of good, good um, medical counselling about their condition, their symptoms and their progression at a very early stage, rather than people coming in necessarily just to talk about voluntary assisted dying, I think. Right. And you mentioned also in the eligibility criteria the importance of fulfilling residency requirements. So do the voluntary assisted dying patients in Queensland need to have been Queensland residents for a certain period of time? Look, I'm not quite sure on the exact details of the residency requirements. I would suspect that, um, that they would need to be Queensland residents um, and have a Queensland address would be my um, assumption is what that, that does refer to. 
certainly by the end of this consultation period before those um, final plans and processes come into place, I imagine the government will make um, a decision about that for sure. So we've talked a bit about the eligibility for the patient. Can you talk to us a bit more about the eligibility for the clinicians? And you were saying there are two clinicians that need to be involved. Yeah, so I think the first thing overarching is the, the clinician, whether it be doctor or nurse being involved or any, any um, practitioner for that matter, whether it's speech therapist, social worker, um, they have a right to conscientious objection as an individual um, practitioner. Um, it's important that they, if they do object um, to discuss, be involved in, in that process, so they do inform the patients early and they do offer them support to access the service um, either through the central support um, service or, or an actual clinician that they're aware of. The important thing to make note of is that entities have been protected in this legislation. That means that um, all Queensland health facilities will be required to ensure people have access and entities won't have the right to withhold or, or deny people access to these this process, which is uh, a little bit different to what has been experienced, particularly in our health service with regards to medical and surgical termination of pregnancy, um, which has been uh, in our health service been objected to um, uh, since my involvement in the HHS. But when we talk about the role of the, the medical practitioner, there's a few criteria. The, the most general term is, is that a general registration must be held for at least five years. So that's looking at roughly a PGY6 trainee uh, who's not on a, on a specialty, has not had a, reached a specialty level, or they may hold a specialty registration for at least one year. And that could be um, general practice, um, you know, physician training, whatever it may be, there's no specific requirement to have a field of expertise. You must have um, a, an ex expected level of medical training and then go on to conduct the appropriate online training to, to make sure that you, you are um, able to be one of these practitioners involved in the voluntary assisted dying process. Right. So you need to have gone through the process as a patient looking to achieve the voluntary assisted dying requirements you need to go through a process with two different people one of whom must be a medical practitioner of at least five or six years standing who has completed the training which is an online training option and then the second person who has to give an okay that could be a nurse or a social worker or a speech pathologist is that correct max no in fact you it's two medical clinicians that do need to sign off on this the role of the nurse um, is delineated similarly. So they do differentiate between registered nurse and nurse practitioner. And the role of a registered nurse is that they can act as the administrating practitioner should the patient choose to have the intravenous um, um, formulation. Uh, they are able to uh, discuss conversations about voluntary assisted dying, but not to initiate. Um, and nurse practitioners, the main differentiation there is that they can... Um, initiate conversations about voluntary assisting dying whilst being able to administer as well. Um, and they must meet the same requirements of online training and also have a level of um, seniority, seniority as well. Okay. So we've got two medical practitioners who are signing off, both of whom who have conducted the appropriate training. And then the administering person could be a nurse or a nurse practitioner who has also undergone the appropriate training. Correct. When we 
look at the history of voluntary assisted dying in both Victoria and Western Australia that you mentioned, I imagine there are a lot of really great learnings that the Queensland team will be able to take from those groups. I understand that in Queensland, um, being able to fulfil the requirements for voluntary assisted dying if you are expected to pass away within about 12 months is a little bit more generous than in Victoria. Can you talk us through that timeline? Yeah, so there's there's two things there. There's one about the, the eligibility criteria, which you refer to as our, ours as 12 months. Theirs is a lot shorter. Um, and also in Victoria, they, they actually need to get involvement from their direct specialty, um, depending on their illness. So if it's a cancer, an oncologist, um, a, a neurological condition, a neurologist, um, which can be a bit of a burden for people in a geographically spread out um, area. And so that's why we've gone from a very general level of training, but made sure that they have a level of experience. The second thing um, that differs from the states is the actual route of administration. So both states have the option for intravenous and oral. However, Victoria does state that they would like people to have the oral version unless there is a medical reason that they can they cannot and that might be swallowing related um, uh, absorption related concerns so when when we've come to our model we work similar to the wa model where people get the option to choose between either or and that's a personal preference rather than a requirement and what we're expecting is is that when people do get the option it seems that intravenous has been a more favored option from patients um, based on the wa data and so i guess that's something that's worth noting because it requires therefore a, a nurse or a doctor to be involved in the administration as opposed to that patient taking home the medication and having someone observe them at home who may be a family member uh, or a friend to observe the process. Um, so it will require substantial um, healthcare manpower to make sure we have enough people who are comfortable um, administering, um, administering the medications, which we know is going to be more potentially more confrontational for people to, to be involved in when you compare it to checking against the eligibility criteria and filling out um, the necessary paperwork. Sure. Okay. So in Victoria, um, I'm not sure about in Western Australia, but I know in Victoria there have been quite a lot of people from regional and rural communities who have taken up the voluntary assisted dying option. Um, the, the ability to have practitioners with more general registration involved in signing off those patients in the first place will make an enormous difference in our community, as you say, being so dispersed across um, our enormous state. Um, has the experience been similar in Western Australia, do you know, or have the patients being mainly those in the urban centres? Look, I'm not too sure about the exact geography of WA. I know you are right in, in Victoria, general practitioners were responsible for a large percentage of the, almost all the percentage of regional and rural voluntary assisted dying patients. I expect that that would, would be not dissimilar to our, our um, snapshot as well. But it will be interesting to see um, the distribution. Um, obviously, large density populations will have inevitably more voluntary assisted dying um, episodes. Um, however, as, as telehealth and um, specialty services are able to be given in, in regional rural areas, we find that there are lots of patients that remain in their rural and regional areas um, to receive their 
their healthcare and inevitably um, that leads them to, to want to pass away at home through this process. So Max, how are we going to proceed from here? What happens next with voluntary assisted dying in Queensland? Well, we're, we're working on it at the moment at our local level. We've developed a working group in the, this region and that includes people from the hospital and also the community sectors, um, medical nursing, pharmacy, social work, Indigenous liaisons. Um, and we're working on our terms of reference to make sure that we're set up to help facilitate this rollout from the healthcare uh, HHS level. Um, Training is going to start coming online towards the back half of the year and we'll start enlisting um, people to undertake the training and be prepared for the beginning of next year, January 1st. Mm-hmm. And we're working on building up our workforce to ensure that we have appropriate levels of staffing to support this rollout. So we're in the process of making uh, budget requests to get access to medical nursing um, and, and other allied health input to make sure we have appropriate staffing because we are going to be uh, predominantly holding on to this through the health service network, um, but also having a heavy involvement with the community as well as they um, step into our network to gain access to provide service, but gain access to get training and, and also to and get involved with getting access to the drugs as well that are required. Right. So there's a lot of work to do. I imagine too, Max, practitioners are probably looking at the skill set they already have around delivering quality palliative care to their patients in the community and in the HHS. What are some of the trainings that you undertook? Where have your supports been? How can people, medical practitioners in our region, upskill so that they are more well prepared for patients at end of life? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I guess we or we all do it innately in any case. We we deal with people who have these terminal conditions, um, you know, from the beginning of our careers and, and early in our training. And I think that this is a conversation that had been brushed aside when when people inevit- inevitably bring it up, asking for that relief that that could you could you help me end my life earlier? And now I think it's time that we we relax our conversation. We explore that we explore by asking patients what what they mean by that and unpacking what their concerns and queries are. I think that we have the skills. I don't think it takes a, um, a specialist of any particular kind to have these discussions about what end of life looks like for people if they were to have their, their, their say in the matter. And I think that, yes, good palliative care is essential for these people because they have less than 12 months prognosis and inevitably um, will have symptoms that need managing. And yes, that does require more um, focused training. And I think in in our health service, we rely heavily on um, telehealth services through Sparta um, and through one through PalConsult. Um, and and their referral their referral networks that inevitably allow people to engage with palliative specialists and and learn from their experiences and learn from the way that they treat their patients. And so I think that it, it just takes a curious mind to ask more questions and and make those referrals earlier so that way people can learn learn alongside their patients to see what what good palliative care can look like. Um, in order to support people to make sure that this is the right decision for them and that they have reached a place where their symptoms are well controlled or or they feel that they've explored all the options um, to get to the point of having well controlled symptoms. So just a curious mind I think. Yeah and for those of us in general practice just talking to our colleagues can be incredibly beneficial too can't it? When I first started in Mackay 
palliative care was delivered by senior experienced GPs and some of those GPs are still working in our practices who have the experience in palliative care and are happy to take us on the journey with them, aren't they? That's right. And, and that, that goes to my point that we've been doing it for a long time. We've been caring for people in their last 12 months and then last moments of life, um, no matter if you're a GP or a medical oncologist for that matter. So I think it, this is just going to give us more, more flexibility um, to have deeper conversations with our patients and really make sure we're meeting their needs. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't something that everyone particularly uh, signs up for and gets excited about. I think this is part of our job that isn't the most obviously pleasant thing, but you have to appreciate that, that we're here for, to serve our patients and our patients have been asking for this and obviously the government has listened and that's why this is happening. It's, it's, it's something that is in demand from our community and, and we should respect that and make sure we, we do the right thing to support them. Thank you so much, Dr. Max. So we'll have training coming in an online capacity toward the end of the year, ready to roll out voluntary assisted dying for the patients who need it from the 1st of January next year. What are the other take-home messages for today? I think it's good to start talking to your patients and exploring the, the idea about, you know, for these people who are in the last 12 months of their life, we're not waiting for January 1st for this to happen. Um, we we want to start the conversations early so people um, open up and feel free to talk about their wishes and, and make sure that if there's something that's underlying that needs to be addressed, it, it gets addressed to make sure that people are getting the best um, best in their terminal illness um, and making sure that they do achieve quality of life, which is ultimately everyone's goal. Oh, Dr. Max Ryder, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time and your insights. No worries. Thanks for having me. For more information about The Roundup or to share your feedback and ideas for future episodes, visit nqrth.edu.au forward slash roundup hyphen podcast or contact us at nqrth.mackay at jcu.edu.au. We also want to advise that the views and opinions presented in this podcast are those of the speaker only and do not represent the views and opinions of James Cook University, Northern Queensland Regional Training Hubs, or Queensland Health. The content supplied in this podcast is not intended as medical advice and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Northern Queensland Regional Training Hubs is an initiative of the Australian Government's Integrated Rural Training Pipeline, and is facilitated by James Cook University in partnership with public and private hospitals, Queensland Aboriginal and Islander Health Council, Health Services, Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisations and General Practice Clinics.